Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCard, host of Alligator Preserves. And in today's show, I'm going to talk to you about a bizarre and beautiful visit. And I'll also finish up on some of my mental health wellness tips for you during this coronavirus season. So do stay tuned. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Today is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020, and I've lost track, actually, of what coronavirus day this is. Oh, it's been a couple months, hasn't it? We've all been cooped up and wondering what tomorrow's going to bring. So when I tell you about my recent visit, you'll know why when it ended, I felt like crying. But first, I would like to finish up with some mental health wellness tips for quarantine from Dr. Margie Donlan. These were sent to me by my friend Nadine Collier in Michigan. And I'm going to finish up with the, with the last of her 25 tips. Number 22. And you can find previous tips, of course, in previous episodes. Number 22 is reach out for help. Your team is there for you. If you have a therapist or psychiatrist, they are available to you, even at a distance. Keep up your medications and your therapy sessions the best you can. If you are having difficulty coping, seek out help for the first time. There are mental health people on the ready to help you through this crisis. Your children's teachers and related service providers will do anything within their power to help, especially for those parents tasked with the difficult task of being a whole treatment team to their child with special challenges. Seek support groups of fellow homeschoolers, parents, and neighbors to feel connected. There is help and support out there any time of the day. Although we are physically distant, we can always connect virtually. And I know that this is happening more and more since people are being cooped up at home and dealing with the social isolation and, oh, different ways. Some people are handling it really well, others not so much. My friend Nadine, who sent these, is also a counselor, and she's doing this virtual counseling. And I know she's quite busy and happy to be helping those in need. Dr. Donlin's number 23, Chunk Your Quarantine. Take it moment by moment. We have no roadmap for this. We don't know what this will look like in one day, one week, or one month from now. Often when I work with patients who have anxiety around overwhelming issues, I suggest that they engage in a strategy called chunking, focusing on whatever bite-sized piece of a challenge that feels manageable. Whether that be five minutes, a day, or a week at a time, Find what feels doable for you and set a time stamp for how far ahead in the future you will let yourself worry. Take each chunk one at a time and move through stress in pieces. Wow, this is uh, great advice. And uh, while I was working on my 2000 piece puzzle, I had to do this. I had to chunk it up a bit. I had to decide that I wasn't going to labor and labor and labor over trying to find one specific piece before moving on to the next. 
The idea of having no roadmap for this, the uncertainty of not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like or a week from now or a month from now. And we still don't this far into the coronavirus pandemic. We still don't know. And that's stressful. So yes, if you need help, get it and chunk the things that you're concerned about. I like the idea of giving yourself a time limit on how long you're going to worry. All right. Dr. Donlan's number 24. Remind yourself daily that this is temporary. It seems in the midst of this quarantine that it will never end. It is terrifying to think of the road stretching ahead of us. Please take time to remind yourself that although this is very scary and difficult and will go on for an undetermined amount of time, it is a season of life and it will pass. We will return to feeling free, safe, busy, and connected in the days ahead. And how I hope that she is right. I do believe that we will feel different. We will, I hope, feel safe. We're definitely going to be busy and connected. And things are going to change. We're going to be connected in different ways. And I'll talk about this even in, when I talk about my, my recent visit. Number 25, the last of Dr. Donlan's mental health wellness tips during quarantine is find the lesson This whole crisis can seem sad, senseless, and at times avoidable. When psychologists work with trauma, a key feature to helping someone work through said trauma is to help them find their agency, the potential positive outcomes they can effect, the meaning and construction that can come out of destruction. What can each of us learn here in big and small ways from this crisis? What needs to change in ourselves? our homes, our communities, our nation, and our world. Wow, that's a a big one to end on, finding the lesson and what needs to change. And uh, I would suggest before worrying about the nation and the world, you know, think about yourself. Think about the changes that you need to make and that you've made already in order to find some peace, some happiness, some lessons, something good that will come from all the bad. And it's easy to focus on the bad. That's a lesson I learned very quickly when I was a cadet at West Point back in the early 80s, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, graduated in 83. For the first year and a half, I really wasn't sure I was going to make it through because there were so many negative things that were just in my face, literally, and figuratively every day, (laughs) Uh, making it very difficult for me and making it difficult for me to see anything positive. And it took, it took a good year and a half before I recognized one morning, it was, I think like two in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday morning, I was just struck by this feeling that there were good things in my days. I just needed to find them. It was easy to see the bad things, easy to focus on the negative, on the sad and the bad and the horrible. I needed to challenge myself to find something good and positive out of every day there. And that's, if I hadn't done that, I don't think I would have graduated from West Point. I've really had to change my whole mindset and make the decision to do that. It's easier said than done, but you know, I did it and there were days when I couldn't find anything good. And so I would hope for the best for the next day and Yeah, that's how I made it through. So now let me just tell you about a bizarre and beautiful visit. 
A few days ago, a friend of mine from Leadville, Stephanie Spong, said that she wanted to come down and bring me something to make me feel better after I had fractured my ankle. And I know that she was missing me and I was missing her. We were both missing friends badly. (laughs) And I let it be known to another friend from Leadville, Chris Floyd, that Stephanie was going to come down and Chris decided to tag along. Now, I wasn't sure how this visit to my home was going to go. In the past years, every past year except this one, I have really enjoyed opening our home to friends and family and neighbors and having parties and having dinner parties and just socializing and lounging and laughing and enjoying company. Well, aside from one visitor I had very early on, and I'm talking pre-face mask requirement time, my friend Linda Ditchkiss came by to pick up a book I had helped her edit. And at that time, we just decided we would sit six feet apart in the kitchen. And she was kind and thoughtful enough to have brought her own beverage in her own drinking container. And we didn't hug. And it was a quick visit. But since that visit, I've had no one visit me here. Now, this is after a deluge of visitors (laughs) that we've had here at the house since we moved in last summer. We've had so many visitors and I've had so much fun with friends who have come to visit. And so suddenly there's no one. So I was frankly a little bit nervous about having two friends come for a social visit from Leadville. And this is where it gets bizarre. So here I am, first of all, cleaning the entire house top to bottom because although Stephanie had seen the house before, Chris had not. And I, I of course, wanted to show it off. So every handle was duly sanitized. Toilets were cleaned. I had rearranged my furniture in my living room so that we could sit six feet apart, moving the chairs away from the couch. And as they told me that they were going to wear face coverings, I started wondering about, well, how am I going to serve them? I knew we were going to have wine and I'm thinking, what hors d'oeuvres do I serve? And how do you even eat with a face covering? I hadn't done it yet. So (laughs) I put together cups, individual cups of fruits and nuts, you know, easy things that you could pick up with your fingers and I guess shove under the face mask (laughs) and and nom on. And I figured, well, I've got straws. Uh, We can put straws in our wine and that will be easier to just slide up under the face mask. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but having to think of those little things that would have meant nothing a month, two months ago. You know, what do you serve visitors when they come to your house? I decided I wasn't going to do crackers and cheese because that seemed, I don't know, too messy, too cumbersome, too whatever. I, I just couldn't get my head around the idea of eating with something over my face. Anyway, they showed up. I opened the door to them. Actually, Stephanie opened the door because I waved her in. And then, of course, I make a mental note. I'm going to have to sanitize the outside of the door handle. Ridiculous things to have to think about. They came in. I immediately had to stop myself from running over to give them both hugs because I'm a hugger. Not everyone is a hugger. I am a hugger. I was raised a hugger in a hugger family. And I like hugs. I just do. And I've always hugged my friends, and especially when they make an hour-long journey down to see me, I wanted to hug them. But no, 
I didn't hug them. So they each had face masks on. I had a face mask on. We did a quick little outside tour. And then we came in because it was a little bit cool. And I opened and poured the wine. And Chris had brought some really scrumptious salmon dip with capers and crackers. And so then I had to think, well, how are we going to do this? (laughs) I found some paper plates and we all agreed that we would put our own crackers on our own plates and scoop some of her yummy stuff onto the plates with the capers and not have to touch anyone else's plates or cups. We all decided that the straws probably weren't necessary because in any case, we were going to have to lift the bottoms of our masks to get food in. So might as well just do the same thing while we were taking sips of wine. (laughs) So already everything's very cumbersome. The things that we take for granted, just being able to eat and drink something unencumbered. This was not happening with the three of us in my home. So we finally got ourselves settled in the living room. And oh my goodness, we had so much to catch up on because a lot is happening in Leadville. A lot's happening down here at Angel's Landing, our home in Salida. And there was talk of ducks and the craziness of what's going on in the world and some of the wonderful things we're hoping will happen from this and just a a lot of discussion. And during the discussion, I became keenly aware of everyone's eyes because that's all I could see, you know, hair and eyes. The rest of the face was covered. And as people who communicate, we rely a lot on, on social cues on facial cues. And to have a person's face reduced to just their eyes was stunning to me. I started thinking that people who have Botox on their face must really be having a hard time right now expressing themselves, (laughs) because I'm pretty sure that even without seeing a smiling mouth, you can tell when eyes are smiling, but I guess not if they can't be expressive. So I really enjoyed studying my friend's eyes at one point. And this was kind of funny. Stephanie got a little bit sleepy. You know, it was an evening visit. And we laughed about the fact that, you know, here we are probably taking in more carbon dioxide than we're used to taking in when we breathe. You know, we're not used to breathing what we exhale. And so that's something else we got to think about. It's not like we're plants. That's not necessarily good for us. Surprisingly, I got used to lifting the bottom of my face mask and shoving something in my mouth and dropping it down again. And But we also talked about cultures in which women have to cover their faces and how horrible that would be if we had to do this forever. Because even if you can get used to something, it's still not pleasant. It's still hot and sticky. And again, I remember when I went to Safeway and, you know, if your nose starts starts dripping, you can't can't really do much about it. And it gets sweaty in there. (laughs) Anyway, it was so exciting to have friends to talk to -to face-to-face, eyes-to-eyes. And they were both so considerate, didn't even hold the handrail going down the stairs, didn't even use the bathroom the whole time they were there. And I know I probably would have had to have used it after a couple glasses of wine. And knowing I had an hour-long trip to head back up the mountain to Leadville. So when our visit was over and they left my house, I followed them out. And they drove down our long driveway. And when they were on the road, I waved 
not knowing if they saw me or not standing on my deck, but Stephanie was in the passenger seat and she waved back. And I had a hard time not crying, to be honest, because I felt the loss. I felt like it wasn't fair that we might have to meter out our visits or not visit at all or go through such a nut roll when we do have a visit. I even had individual hand towels for each of them in case they wanted to hold the handrail. They could hold the, hold a hand towel without touching the railing. I mean, these little things that I thought about, you know, do I need to do these things? Even though I know that both of them have been quarantined and I've been quarantined and none of us had any symptoms. And people are rebelling. They're saying, no, I'm not going to be paranoid anymore. I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm going to take what comes to me. Well, I just want to say that I don't want to get sick, don't want to inadvertently pass on anything to anyone I know and love. And so I'm going to accept the suffering that comes with this, accept the pain of not being able to hug friends, accept that the only thing I can really control at this time is how I react to the situation. And I'm going to act responsibly. I'm going to take the advice of people whose opinions I trust. And for however long I have to do that. My visit with Stephanie and Chris was a gift I will not forget. It made me realize on many levels the things I've taken for granted over the years. I think a lot of us take many things for granted. And perhaps this is just a time for all of us to reevaluate how we live, who we live with, who our friends are, what things are most important, and yeah, how we can find something good and positive out of every day. We're all going to have different experiences with this whole facial covering thing. And my niece Michelle today mentioned that the last time she went food shopping, she noticed that people were not making eye contact. And that got me wondering why. And I was trying to remember if I made eye contact with people, the lot, you know, when I took my very scary trip into COVID land when I went to Safeway last time. And I think I actually probably did avoid looking at a lot of people now that I think about it. And I'm not sure if it has something to do with our identity. Like, do we feel embarrassed that we're having to wear facial masks? Are we ashamed? Are we nervous? Are we afraid that if someone catches our eye, we might have to talk to them and we don't want to do that because the fewer times we open our mouths, the less chance there'll be of transmitting anything dangerous? I'm just not sure, but it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, why was I avoiding people's eye eye contact? I don't know. It's like taking social distancing to a whole different level, not even looking at someone. Hmm. Anyway, those are some things to think about this week as you are continuing to be respectful of other people's space and desires to stay healthy. You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. Email me, please at laurel at strackpress.com. Follow me on Twitter at Leadville Laurel. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcasts and convince your friends to do it too. You might want to support Alligator Preserves on Patreon and my work. Check out the rewards you'll receive at patreon.com slash alligator preserves. And join me next time 
when I'll talk about something completely different. My ducklings arrive next week. I'll probably do one more episode before my ducklings arrive. And maybe I'll even tell you about singing to my fruit trees. (laughs) But until then, be good, be clean, be helpful, be respectful of others, be creative, be hopeful always, be kind to yourself and to others. And thank you sincerely for visiting. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.